Good evening. I'm your host, Elise Markham-Johns, and I'd like to welcome you to the November 3rd, 2020 edition of Learning Well on Edge Talk Radio. Learning Well is sponsored by the Integrative Health Education Center at Normandale Community College in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and we'd like to take this opportunity to thank them so much for their continuing support. I'm so delighted that our guest this evening is Cindy Dale. Cindy is an internationally renowned author, speaker, healer, and business consultant, and is the author of 25 books about energy medicine, intuition, and spirituality. Her books have been published in over 17 languages. And in addition, she's worked with over 70,000 clients and presented hundreds of seminars and workshops across the Americas, as well as in Russia, England, Wales, Amsterdam, Iceland, Costa Rica, Belize, Morocco, Peru, Scotland, and more. But before we launch into our conversation with Cindy, I'd like to take just a few moments to let you know that this program would not be possible without the sponsorship of Normandale Community College's Integrative Health Education Center. And this fall, they're offering a variety of individual courses as well as integrative health courses, which provide certification. One of the courses which provides certification is coming up starting November 5th. It's a four-week course on simplified EFT tapping. All programs, by the way, are live instructor-led via Zoom. And if you'd like more information about this or other classes and events at Normandale this fall and winter, please call 952-358-8343, or you can simply email Normandale at ncal at normandale.edu. Or you can also, of course, visit the website at normandale.edu forward slash CE. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce this evening's guest, Cindy Dale. As I mentioned earlier, Cindy is an internationally renowned author, speaker, healer, and business consultant. And on a daily basis, Cindy works with both individual clients as well as groups, serving as an intuitive coach and an energy healer. Her clients are commonly referred by professionals, including psychiatrists, medical doctors, and therapists. Her passion includes helping people open their essential energy, the powers and perspectives that are unique to them. She works with thousands of individuals a year in the United States and internationally, and continues to hone her ability to help people discover their essential selves so that they can make healthy and positive changes in their lives. Cindy has been trained in several different healing modalities, including shamanism, intuitive healing, energy healing, family of origin therapy, therapeutic touch, Lakota way and faith healing and holds a fourth degree mastership in Reiki. Her books to date include the bestseller, The Subtle Body and Encyclopedia of Your Energetic Anatomy, which has won four internationally recognized publishers awards. Some of her other well-received books include New Chakra Healing, Advanced Chakra Healing, The Four Pathways Approach, Everyday Clairvoyant, Attracting Prosperity Through the Chakras, Advanced Chakra Healing Heart Disease, and Advanced Chakra Healing Cancer. Cindy has presented seminars and workshop, workshops, as I mentioned, throughout the world, including Russia, England, Wales, and Amsterdam, and has led groups across, across South and Central America and into Africa. Her training has encompassed studies in shamanism and healing across the world, taking her into the Peruvian Belizean, Hawaiian, and Costa Rican jungles, the Moroccan sands, the Venezuelan savannas, as well as the glaciers of Iceland. With business partner Anthony J.W. Benson, she also provides creativity and writing classes through their Business Dreams Made Manifest program. Cindy graduated summa cum laude from the University of Minnesota with a degree in English and a minor in philosophy, and she's also worked toward a master's degree in divinity at Bethel University. Through Normandale Community College in Minneapolis, Minnesota, she offers a seven-class certificate program titled Energy Works, the Subtle Body Certificate. She's also noted for her one-year apprenticeship program, which is an in-depth de developmental process of the spiritual gifts and training in clairvoyance, clairaudience, and healing. Cindy, welcome so much. We're delighted you could be with us this evening. I am absolutely thrilled to be here. I sound like a very busy person when you, you do. read in my bio. 
I'm excited you could find some time to be with us. I truly am. And I, I have to say, it's always a pleasure to meet a fellow English major. We end up going in so many different directions. So. I know. I had an advisor who insisted that I, you know, ought to also get a business minor. Oh, I sure. accounting and I said, no, I'd rather do a <laughs> philosophy minor. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, my daughter went through the English transitioning to an English major and my husband just about was quaking in his boots thinking, oh my gosh, <laughs> where can a career path lead there? So anyway, <laughs> we're proof that it does lead somewhere, Cindy. You get somewhere. You just keep walking the path and that, every so right. often you have to sit down and put a label on yourself. Right. Well, we have so much to cover and I'm let's go, let's go ahead and dive in. And first, I think I would certainly be interested, and I think our listeners would also be interested in knowing how you first discovered your intuitive gifts. How did that come about? Well, I didn't know they were gifts, and I didn't have a label for them because I was a child. <laughs> and so I was one of those unusual children. I think all children are unusual just in their own ways. Um, but I could see colors around people. I could hear voices. I spoke with ghosts and angels. I had a sense when somebody was really upset or when they were happy. And you, you could say I lived in my own little bubble, um, but, but it was a big bubble. And there were a lot of very interesting characters in my bubble. I, in fact, still remember one night um, knowing that these hobos in Huntsville, Alabama, that's where we lived when I was four and five years old, had come into the kitchen and they were cooking breakfast while they were talking. This is, again, the middle of the night, and I could see their shadows uh, kind of at the end of the hallway. And I don't remember what they said, but I do remember when I heard them leave the kitchen, uh, you know, kind of room, and they s shut the screen door and slammed the door, thinking, you know, I never heard them do the dishes. <laughs> I was like, my mom's going to be really mad. So I ran into my parents' room and they were like, oh, here she is making things up again. And they took me to the kitchen. And of course, there were no dishes. There was no, you know, residue of kind of bacon frying. There had seemingly been no hobos. And I was like, I'm not making this up. I heard them. So that went on until I was probably an early teen. And then it was sort of like I, you know, this, this, this just isn't going to work. So I shut the gifts down and then just had to reopen them when I went to therapy around age 20. And as I, you know, recovered slightly from my various issues, those teenage years, you know, kind of just stir all that stuff up. Um, the gifts started opening again. I could hear things. I could see things. So that's sort of what led me on an odyssey to figuring out what the heck was going on. Oh, interesting. So what did your, what did your family think of this? Did you share that with them or, or not? Did you keep it all to yourself? No, I did. I would tell them, I would tell them, this is what I dreamed about, or you've got this red color around you, mom, or whatever it was. And my mom just told me to stop making things up. My dad, I think he believed me because his mother saw ghosts. She talked to ghosts. So he knew that it was possible. But in his very white Norwegian Lutheran kind of way, right? <laughs> he just said, we don't, we don't mess with that stuff. There's a devil. You don't want to mess with that stuff. So it wasn't like anybody really reinforced me, but what can they do? They can't tell me to not see things for goodness sake. And were you frightened initially by all of this going on or did you just sort of accept it? Like, you know, that's a great question, Elise. I wasn't really frightened because I think you're used to what's normal for you. Yeah. If I had never seen anything or heard anything or had a sense of, well, I still remember actually going to the first funeral I ever went to and my mother's friend, Jean, had died. I was maybe five. And I remember seeing her spirit above her body. Like her, you know, she looked a lot like the Jean in the coffin, but she was wearing different clothes and was like laughing. And I was like, why are, why are we doing this? I mean, she's just fine. I think it was more puzzling. I think it was even more confusing why other people didn't seem to jive with what was happening for me. Mm. And did other people in your family have the gift? 
Well, I found out as time went on, as shared my father's mother saw ghosts. And in fact, when my grandpa died when I was about 10 or so, my dad came home. He had just seen my grandma and he said, she's talking to those, you know, herself again. She swears that, that your papa, that's what we call my grandpa, that he comes in the television and talks to her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, on my mom's side, there had been a relative who died of, uh, was killed for witchcraft. And <laughs> I oh. think she heard things. Um, my great aunt Mignana on my dad's family, they just called her Daffy. Uh, but she would just sit and talk to spirits when she came and visited. So I, you know, it can run in families. And I think, you know, most families, it's, unless we're in an indigenous culture, unless our family is known and respected for these gifts and they're passed down and they open up, I think they're pretty much treated like there's some sort of psychosis, psychosis sort of issue. Yeah, well, one thing I've always been curious about, Cindy, I've heard that we all have this gift, but it's, is it just a matter of some of us being blessed with more of this gift than others, or are we able to develop this gift to a greater degree? Everybody is psychic. To me, from a more somewhat clinical point of view, to be psychic is simply to be able to receive interpret and send what these days is called subtle energy. I mean, when I was being trained in all this, it was called psychic energy. Uh, But now we call it subtle energy. Everything's made out of energy. And energy is just information that moves. I mean, your coffee cup, your thoughts, your feelings, the stars, it's just energy. And subtle energy is just very quick moving. Sometimes because it doesn't hold weight, it can actually move faster than the speed of light. And so we have energy anatomies. We have an anatomy that sort of mirrors, but is much more broad in its capabilities than our physical body that's actually able to bring in subtle energy or information and interpret it and send it out in the world. So everybody does this. Everybody brings in Uh, this sort of fast moving information. It's more that they may not know that's happening. They don't know what messages they're sending to the world or they don't know how to interpret it. Maybe they get a strange pain in their right knee in the middle of the night and they go, well, I just moved my leg funny. Maybe not. Maybe, Maybe their sister just hurt her knee, right? Ran into the bedroom set or something and they're feeling their sister's knee pain. So Often it's more that we don't know how to quantify or qualify how this information is passed, much less that we're receiving it and how to interpret it. Hmm. But I'm also curious about, you graduated as an English major, and so what was your next step in the world? I'm assuming you didn't immediately launch into intuitive work, am I right? Or yeah, you're there, right. Okay, what was your path before that? Well, it was fairly normal. <laughs> Actually, (laughs) so I started working for a public relations firm. And at that time, it was the one of two public relations firms owned by a woman, this in this case, women in the upper Midwest. So I was very fortunate and I reported right to the CEO and I very oddly and paradoxically did public relations for the public relations firm. (laughs) So I know it was great because she basically honed my writing, you know, helped me do press releases, uh, biographies. I mean, it was really fun. And from there, I went on to teach actually corporate social responsibility or ethics at the U of M. Now, I wasn't a professor, but I worked with a program that set me up to be able to teach that. Then I did fundraising for a nonprofit, but somewhere in the middle of that, when I was in therapy starting about 20 and I stayed in therapy as a client, I needed the therapy. Uh, I, I was, my therapist said, you know, you're not just codependent or this or that you're, you're psychic. So when I was traveling quite a bit, uh, with my, you know, fiance and husband of the time during my twenties, early thirties, everywhere we went, I found shamans or healers or intuitives. And I started taking healing classes in my late 
twenties. And then I was, I was spurred on. I was like, this is fascinating. I need to learn about this. And I started studying a lot on my own to different countries to work with, you know, really indigenous in their place of origin healers. And that was my training. I mean, I just, I could watch the people who were accepted for these abilities, but also revered and turned to for them too. And how did your career in the intuitive world start to unfold? Well, <laughs> it was kind of a joke. So, I mean, not a joke joke. Um, I had been doing fundraising. My oldest son was about a year or a year and a half. And I just, I just was tired. And I was going to start my own consulting business doing fundraising, you know, working for nonprofits, et cetera. And I heard this voice in my head. I've been taking some classes and doing a lot of traveling. And I heard this voice in my head say, you know, start your intuitive business. And I thought, well, whatever. So I made <laughs> business cards and they were pink with a rose on them. And they said, I did psychic readings and healings. We don't use the word psychic that much anymore. And I was picking them up at what was then Kinko's and I was completely embarrassed. I was like, I cannot do nonprofit consulting and be a psychic reader and healer. This is just not going to fly. My family won't even talk to me if I do this. So I was just going to go home and throw away the cards. And this woman standing next to me looked at the base of the, uh, you know, the, the card holder and she could see my cards. She goes, Oh, do you do readings? I go, yeah. And she goes, I'm an esthetician and a beautician. I'll send you clients. She took a bunch of the cards and then I was in business. That was it. Wow. <laughs> That's a great story. I, you know, I think when many people hear the term energy work, they're not quite sure what it means or what it all encompasses. So how would you define that term, Cindy? I think it's because every few years we change the phrase. <laughs> okay. When I started, it was psychic healing. And then the words got dressed up and it became, you know, subtle healing or holistic healing, of which there are very many varieties that don't all involve intuition. Then it was intuitive healing. And then it was subtle energy medicine. And so to me, because energy is really everything. And medicine is what makes you better. And, you know, allopathic, regular go to the doctor, get prescription meds, surgery, that can make you better. So can traditional Chinese medicine. So can going to therapy. So can working with subtle energy, the invisible energy, through which you might get a sense of where your issue started or invisible entities that are around you supporting you or causing you problems. So as a whole, the term energy medicine includes anything that's subtle or holistic or even allopathic, though most medical doctors don't really know they're doing energy medicine. I mean, after all, an x-ray machine is energy, isn't it? That's what it's using. Um, but in my world, subtle energy medicine is when you also use your intuition. Sometimes, which I think is fascinating and so helpful to so many people, you explain your work with science, especially to skeptics. Can you give us some of your scientific understanding of the work you do for those who may really be helped by that kind of explanation? Absolutely. And I do really rely on the science because I think that's where it starts and that's where we need to keep going back to as well. So again, energy is just information that moves. There is not a scientist in the world who could argue with that. And most energy is really organized as waves or fields of energy. Um, and, you know, the only argument a scientist would make is some of them would say, well, there's particles of energy and they'll be less interested in the idea, you know, of fields of energy, but there aren't even really particles of energy. Even particles are just waves. They're just fields of energy that move around. And the, the main point with knowing that, you know, energy is really just fields and fields of energy is that that's really all we are made of or anything or anyone is made of. So I, Cindy Dale, I'm just fields of light and sound. So are you, Elise. So is my dog, Lucky. Um, so is a thought. 
They're just fields of energy that emanate from a source. Uh, even, even like an object, even a rock is honestly just made out of fields of energy. Um, you know, we think it's solid, but science has proven that something seemingly as solid as a rock is really 99.999% subtle energy or invisible energy. The cool thing about understanding subtle energy these days is best explained by quantum physics, which is that there are fields, they call them particles, but they're not, of, of um, subtle energy that because they have no mass, anything with mass can't move faster than the speed of light or it would become just too heavy to move. Anything without mass can actually move faster than the speed of light. So in quantum physics, Quantum and subtle energies are really sort of one and the same. They're showing that there's these quicker than superluminal or quicker than light energies that honestly you can, you can get information about the past before you even need to know it. You can get senses of the future because there's no such thing as time in quantum physics only what they call the observer phenomenon, which is like if you, if you kind of boat something in, it becomes true. So quantum physics really explains what used to be called psychic healing or subtle healing and even now energy medicine, that information can move faster than the speed of light. So it has no time, it has no bounds, it can deliver data and change vibration. So honestly, what that means is with a thought, you could potentially disappear a tumor. With another thought, you could become broke. <laughs> With another thought, you could attract money. So the whole world opens up when we start to study the fact that information can move so fast, it can make changes before we even ask for the changes to be made. Thank you. I, that's really helpful background. and. You know, on a daily basis, you are an intuitive coach, you're an energy healer, and you're a business advisor. And could you describe for us what the process would be like for someone who is interested in working with you? How, how do you work in each of these areas? How does it unfold for people who work with you? Yeah, it's really different each session, to be honest. Um, what I do is before I'm going to work with somebody, I always kind of hold myself as my best self. All right. I call that my spirit or my essence. I interact with others as if they're that same essential sort of pure self. I call on, you know, I use the word God, people can say, or greater spirit. People can use any term they want, higher power. Um, the goodness, the universe, it doesn't make any difference to me, right? Because whatever is, is, um, you know, and then I'm able to actually open my different intuitive or, or subtle gifts. So I start to get data or information. And I just, usually I just start seeing pictures is what happens. I, for instance, I worked with a man this morning, never met him. It was a 30 minute session. He didn't say much about himself except for his name. And I immediately got this picture of him, um, you know, kind of with test tubes all around him. And I saw under the picture of the test tubes, the word healer written with a capital H. And so I said, are you a healer? He goes, yes. And then the word healer got crossed out. And then I saw written for myself, the words, um, uh, it was like chemistry of the soul, chemist for the soul. That's what it was. Chemist for the soul, because I saw the test tubes too. I said, do you think you're a chemist for the soul? And he laughed. He goes, I have two degrees in chemistry, but now I'm studying healing. <laughs> oh, wow. So, you know, the big thing is nothing I'm doing is special or unique. I just know it works. And I just trust to say whatever I'm getting as crazy as it sounds right? And that's it. That's all it is. And you just go from there. Does it, do you prefer that people come with specific questions or do you just like to sort of let things flow and get some pictures initially? How, what, what works best do you think? Well, I think that's a great question. I like questions. I like it when people come with questions because it's like there's parameters. You know, it's sort of like then you know which cities they want to visit while you take a journey. Mm. 
Otherwise you're going, where am I going to go? Are we going to Germany, Paris, the <laughs> underworld? I mean, it's like, oh, gee. And it's just a lot more work to have to, you know, kind of go, okay, let's start nowhere and get somewhere. Sure. So I like the questions. The irony is, the paradox is, however, I do believe we have guides. I believe that somebody's inner self can also reveal subtle information whatever is going to be said is going to be said anyway. So people will ask questions and then I'll just see these random pictures and go, well, all right, <laughs> we're going to start where I start, <laughs> which makes it sort of amusing, but also interesting because you really don't know what's going to, what's going to happen. Yeah. The variety of people and issues and challenges that you must deal with must be fascinating. I have heard everything. I always say that and then I hear something else. <laughs> oh my gosh. One of my most, in, and, and I'm still human. I mean, I get these things and I go, oh, I can't say that. Or that is just stupid. Or they're never going to go for this. And, but you know, if that's what you get, that's what you say. And then healing energy works the same way. But one of my best stories of that is I had a wife make her husband, who was a plumber from New Jersey, call me. You, you know what? When you're being forced to call, you don't really want to do it. <laughs> okay. I don't remember what he had. He smoked. He had this. He had that. He had a lot of physical stuff. And he, he really didn't want to tell me anything because he just thought this was balarkey. So I kept seeing these images. I saw a castle. I saw a prince. I saw the prince's brother. I saw um, the brother getting murdered, the prince doing this. I mean, I saw this whole scene. And I'm like, this guy's a plumber from New Jersey. He's going to hang the phone up. It's all I could get. Oh, and there was a dark spirit then attached to the prince and made him feel bad about himself. It went on and on. So I, it's all I could get. I mean, that's the thing with intuition. You get what you get in normal life, period. So I told him the story, Elise. And he, and he said, who told you that story? I go, well, I believe there's guides. I think your guides told me. He goes, how do you know that story? I go, I don't really know that story. I just heard and saw the story. He goes, I've had that dream since I've been a little boy. Oh. I know. And he said, and that dark spirit, I feel it attached to me. Now we're talking spooky stuff, but he said, oh. I have felt it attached to me since I was a little boy. And I believe it tells me to smoke the cigarettes. So, you know, you don't have to get all this wild stuff to use your intuition. Intuition can guide anybody on, do I eat an apple or an orange? And it might not matter. So your intuition may not help you. It's like eat either one. We don't care, right? But it's really supposed to be an ability and it is innate in all of us that helps us guide our feelings, our thoughts, our relationships, our state, and our path. So it doesn't all have to, you know, be that sort of out of the world and odd, unless it is. That is such an interesting story, Cindy. Could you share a few other stories of people you've worked with and some of the interesting or unusual things that have come up? Oh, yeah. I have great stories. I bet you do. <laughs> so here's, I'm going to tell one of my favorite stories. So this was in the beginning of my career, which was over 25 years ago. All right. So I'm like, I am so embarrassed to be doing this for a living. <laughs> and this, this woman comes in to see me and the only picture I could get, she was one who didn't tell me anything. The only picture I could get was popcorn. That was it. That was it. That was it. Nothing else. And so I, you know, I said, I see popcorn and she started crying and I said, why are you crying? She said, I'm a popcorn addict. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, I like popcorn too, but she would hide it in her car because her husband and kids were so concerned about her. She ate it all the time. So she wasn't, you know, she'd be full. She wasn't able to eat dinner. She'd eat it for breakfast on the way to work. Mm -hmm. I just felt enormously sad. That's intuition also, feeling feelings. I felt enormously sad while she was telling this. And I said, why, why is popcorn associated with sadness for you? And she said, when my parents divorced, you can kind of feel it already. Mm -hmm. 
my dad, the last time I saw him, took me to the movies and we ate popcorn. Mm. And then he moved out of state and that was it. So one word unlatched like her soul and her heart. So that can happen and people can use that really graciously and help themselves. I mean, she went with it and did some, you know, kind of deep work in therapy. Uh, but not everybody goes for it. I remember working with a woman who called me up and her issue was, this was after one of those, the many school shootings. I mean, we've had way too many. I hate saying that for me to actually remember like which one, but her school went into lockdown and she couldn't pick her four-year-old up. Nobody could pick their kids up unless they showed their ID each time. So they had to, you know, be written in and show their ID and pick up their child that way. And she was really mad about it. I mean, she was like out of control, swearing, crazy. And all I could see was her at age four. And I had this sense of her having been abused. But you can't always say things you don't know if the client doesn't know, right? I mean, would she know that? Would she remember that? So what came to me to say was, what happened to you when you were four years old? Which was the age of her child. And she said, well, she just started talking. She said, I was abused. I was sexually abused by my cousin. And she talked about it and she had these feelings and she said, but I'm, you know, I haven't told anybody but you. And I said, your issue isn't with the school. It's, it's you're angry because this happened to you when you were four. And I'd really love it if you would tell somebody besides me. She said, I'm not going to tell anybody. And that was sort of it. I don't know if she ever did tell anybody. So, you know, any of us in any service position you can, you can do your best. You can do your part. You just have to let go on the other side too. Mm. You also do a number of large seminars and workshops. Can you tell us about some of the kinds of things that you can cover some of the topics that you present about? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're far flung. Okay. <laughs> So I'll give you a couple examples. Um, right now I'm teaching for the Shift Network. It's a very large spiritual organization. They have a mailing list of like a million people. I, it's my first round with them. I got 650 people. And it was really interesting because the organizer said, we just want you to teach all your wild stuff. I'm like, really? <laughs> so I teach chakras, which is sort of normal in my field. I teach psychic surgery. I teach them how to use their six chakra in the brow, which gets pictures, but how to change points of view. I teach them how to locate the core of their food issues and use something called scalar waves to heal. I mean, we just kind of go over lots of different energy tools. And one of my favorite places to teach for years has been Normandale College. Um, and the Subtle Energy Certificate Program, because that's a very methodical um, process of seven different days where we start at not really zero, but we start with what's energy, what are different forms of energy medicine, what are the ethics, what are the boundaries, so I can really lay the groundwork, and then what are the two most important techniques, and then we talk about what are the different forms of intuition, what are the issues of light versus dark? Uh, how do you work with meridians from more of a subtle point of view? How about chakras? How about energy fields? How do you work on the soul? How do you work on emotions? So it's probably, I believe that program is the most inclusive uh, for its price and people get uh, you know, a certificate for it, which is very unusual in the, in the subtle energy field, you know, to actually earn something. Mm -hmm. I think it's the most inclusive and certainly the least expensive anywhere I have seen in the United States. Mm. But Normandale does that. They give EFT, aromatherapy. I mean, their integrative series, as you know, is, um, you know, that's what people want to know. And whether they want to be a subtle energy practitioner or they're already massage therapists or they're regular therapists or they're doctors or they're just, you know, interested, 
um, you can, you can, you can really open and activate your gifts in any of the integrative programs. It, it is amazing. The incredible number and variety of things that they offer is, is breathtaking, I think. Uh, and speaking of the kinds of health professionals that might be interested in your, your class at Normandale, what kinds of health issues can be helped most by the kind of work you do? Or can you really quantify that? I, I can't quantify it by the type of health challenge. Um, for instance, like in the shift network class I'm doing, I've seen lots of the people in there have autoimmune dysfunctions or food issues, but then my class would attract people with that. Um, I think you're helped the most if you've already done some of your own emotional work. Like if you're familiar with uh, some of your own trauma and what kind of trauma you might be dealing with, say from childhood or other times and places. Uh, so if you've got a, not a handle on your emotions, but if you're willing to feel and do your emotions, it's much easier to recover physically. And if you, you're willing to go into kind of whatever's there, uh, whether it be abuse or whether it be that you're scared of your own power or you're frightened to um, speak your truth, like if there's a willingness, that's where I see the shifts happening the most. Hmm. I have to ask you about this. And unfortunately, I cannot remember what this branch of... Um, therapeutics is called, but I know there are people who specialize in the whole concept of past traumas in past generations and how they get passed down to people. Have oh, you, have oh, you experienced yes. that kind of work as well? Oh yeah, I work with people with that. In, in science, it's called the field of, field of epigenetics. And you're and, and I know that there's like a, it's not family systems. There's something like family systems. It's the name of it. That's what you're thinking of. It's mm -hmm. worldwide, the actual branch of study, but the, but the science of it is called epigenetics and epi, the epigenome or the epigenetics is a chemical soup that actually lies around the genes. You're coding genes. I mean, the genes that say Cindy has blue eyes, right? Or whatever. And inside that, those chemicals are at least 14 generations of ancestral memories. Mm. I mean, that's real science. And so let's say I go through an event that an ancestor went through that could trigger this soup like the DNA or the RNA in it, or uh, like the different kinds of, they're sort of like dead viruses, okay, that are in there that are holding these codes that could trigger those and give me emotions that are similar to my ancestors or like similar behaviors or food cravings or turn genes on and off in mm -hmm. my actual regular genes too. So this whole, it's not family systems therapy, but I know what you're thinking of. I think it's like family constellations is what it is. Mm. I think that's what you're thinking of. They understand that they work with it much from more from a, I would say a deeply intuitive level and a mental level because you actually create family trees. But science is doing lots of studies right now that show, you know, how you respond to events very well may be about the chemistry of your ancestors and what's getting triggered. Hmm. Uh, that's fascinating. I Something else I've heard you speak about previously is an experience that you had the day before 9-11. Could you tell us a little bit about that and other kinds of similar experiences you've had? Yeah, yeah. I was actually out of town for a business meeting and uh, somewhere in the Southwest, I think. And I was scheduled to come home to fly home on September 11th. I just had this weird feeling to get home earlier. I just, I was itchy. I, I just was antsy. Something was wrong. So I changed my flight and came home September 10th. And so because of that, I could work the morning of September 11th. And so I was on the phone with my clients September 11th. My first client stayed home from her job in the World Trade Center to do the client call. Mm. So that saved her life. My second client was on the phone with me. He lived in a, 
uh, you know, kind of an uh, Tribeca uh, in New York. And we heard the second building go down. My third client was a captain in the military. And he told me all kinds of stuff he probably wasn't supposed to (laughs) about, um, you know, about like what was going down and other planes and this and that and the other thing. And then later he called back and told me that where the Pennsylvania, uh, you know, plane had gone down, that around that village, around that town, for months afterwards, villagers kept feeling spirits in their homes. Uh-huh. Like, oh, no, I know. Like one, you know, one housewife said she made a pie and it just disappeared. It was in the kitchen, you know, in the, you know, how you cool pies in the kitchen window. Uh, Well, I don't cool pies. I don't make pies, but, um, but it disappeared. And that there had been a Bible found in the runes that was charred, but not burned. That was open to some Bible verse. Like that was what you could read on the page. I don't remember what it was, but it was sort of one of these fiery kind of Bible verses. And so that area of people very much believed, you know, that those souls were still there, that they had still been, you know, kind of wandering and, you know, kind of trying to reach some sort of, of, um, you know, connection. And, you know, I think that happens a lot. I was working with a client recently and she had deep anxiety. Um, her mom was, it was just like maybe two months ago, her mom was still alive. Her father was dead but she had a lot of guilt around her father's passing. And she kept, he was abusive. He had been in, the, in World War II, her father had. And he'd been very, you know, an alcoholic, um, obviously PTSD, wouldn't talk about it until the very end, right before he died. He told her that he had been in a platoon, I think it was called a platoon rather than a squad, at the Battle of the Bulge. And the morning um, that in his that evoked his PTSD, they were you know kind of holed up you know a little bit inland, and they ran out of supplies. So they sent him to go kind of seaside to get supplies to come back, and he stayed with his squad. For, and this is the story he told his daughter right before he died. He had stayed with the squad to drink one extra cup of coffee. Like he'd had one cup of coffee, but he loved coffee, so he stayed for one more cup of coffee. And then he went to get the supplies and on the way back, he couldn't get to the road to his squad, um, the time difference it took to drink one cup of coffee and they were all killed. Mm. And he just, you know, obviously he couldn't forgive himself. How would you? I mean, it's so understandable what we go through. And, but I kept seeing him near my client. We were on Zoom right? I mean, you can work on the phone. It doesn't make any difference because it's subtle energy. It's quantum energy. And I kept seeing him looking at his daughter, like begging forgiveness for how he had acted. Then I suddenly burst into tears and it's not my family. I burst into tears because I could see his squad members, his, you know, his platoon members around him, their spirits, like trying to reach him and he's dead, trying to say, No, we were all going to die anyway. You got grace. You lived to tell our story. Mm. And he shifted. His daughter shifted. And, you know, everybody shifted. It's like, this is what it's about. It's about love no matter who we are and where we are. It's just, there's no difference. There's not that much difference between what we call the other side and this side. Like it's, I really believe it's all there. Can I tell you one more story about that? Absolutely. Okay. This is a very cool story. So a few years ago, I have a good friend named Mark, and he's married to a, an amazing woman named Susan. And his, I don't know when it was, five years ago. I'm really bad with time, so whatever. I mean, I do the hours really well, but not the dates. And his father died, and Mark's really wanted to connect to the other side in his intuition. So I was dating a man at that time named Kim. And he said, hey, can Susan and I come over and we'll do like a little seance, like in your office. And, you know, we'll see if I can connect with my dad. I said, sure. And, you know, 
that's sort of very old fashioned is to call it a seance. And I was like, well, I don't want my clients to know I do those things. But he came over and we turned off the lights in this little office and lit a candle and we could feel this sort of breeze and he connected to his dad. And his dad said, you don't understand. We're all here. There, there's nobody really dead. We're all, I don't have the word, but it's all connected. And he said, here, I'll prove it to you that there's not really a difference. And he told his son, Mark, to hold out his hand hands. And Mark held out his hands. And there was a gold bowl just appeared shining in Mark's hands. And Mark was like, oh my God, can you guys see that? And I said, I see a gold bowl. Mark goes, I see a gold bowl. And Susan saw a white light. She's like one of the nicest people in the world. She wouldn't be so monetary as to see a gold bowl, just to be honest. <laughs> okay. I like, you know, gold bowls. And the guy I was dating didn't see anything. We broke up very shortly after that. <laughs> was crazy. Like you guys are just doing this to bother me. But we saw the gold bowl. And like, no matter how long I do this work, I'm constantly astonished when it's real. Mm. And I, you know, I mean, I'm just, we're just human. We're just humans serving whatever it is we call the divine and the divine in others. And, but I'll never forget seeing that gold bowl and telling myself, I am not going to disbelieve this later. Because I think that's what a lot of people do, Elise. Mm -hmm. I think later they go back and say, oh, I made that up or that's just really you know, crakey or crazy. But I think we need to keep track of how true what we think is mystical or psychic is. Um, it, you know, food is real too, right? <laughs> I mean, my son's a baseball pitcher. That's a real ball. If it hits you in the head, it's going to hurt. There's a lot of real. And this is real too. Oh, thank you for sharing those. Um, I have to ask because I'm sure there are a lot of people listening who are fascinated by your work and maybe haven't done much background research or study in it. So you've written 25 books. And for those who are new to your work and who don't know where to start, which of your books would you recommend? You know, you know what I would start with is Conversations with a Clairvoyant. It's a very little book. It never sold very well. <laughs> but I like it. It's very conversational. And it's sort of like you know, here's what I realized as a kid. Here's some answers to really common questions. It's been out for quite a while, but I think it's a really sweet, informative little book and it's very accessible. Um, I think if you're into energy and, and uh, you know, kind of science, I would do the Subtle Body Encyclopedia if you are working on trauma, my newest book is Energy Healing for Trauma, Stress, and Chronic Conditions. It's got tons of science, biological science, but also subtle science and lots of techniques for working through trauma, which 11 pages on the pandemic, because it just, it just slid in that I could put that in before it mm. came out. Um, if you have pets, I mean, you even asked me about this on our prep. Yes. Uh, I love my book, Energy Healing for, for Pets. Um, I just think pets are amazing and they're great and they're funny. And we have these crazy, wonderful relationships with them. So it's good to know how to do, understand energy and our relationships with our pets. So I love that book too. Oh, that, that sounds wonderful. I'm so glad you mentioned that. <laughs> we have just about a minute left for us to talk. What haven't we covered that that we should. What else would you like to share with us in terms of your resources or any other information? Well, I think it's just believe yourself. I don't think there's any big magic to being intuitive. I think start counting your mini miracles. Start counting when a feeling is right, an image comes true, you get a sense of a voice and something makes, you know what I mean? It's like, wow, that was really accurate. Just start getting a relationship with your own intuition. I really think that's the main point, Elise. Thank you so much, Cindy. I, I, this time has just flown by. I hope we can do a round two at some point as well. Thank you so well, much. Well, there's always more stories. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> well, we so appreciate your time tonight, Cindy. Thank you. Thank you. Well, before we close out our program this evening, I'd like to take just a few moments to let you know about some of our guests on future editions of Learning Well. We have some wonderful folks coming up. As a matter of fact, our guest on December 1st will be Bijal Trivedi, and she is an award-winning writer. Her latest book is Breath from Salt, which is told from the perspectives of patients, families, physicians, scientists, and philanthropists. And it's really a remarkable story of unlikely scientific and medical firsts, of setbacks and successes, as well as people who refuse to give up hope and a really fascinating peek into the future of genetics and medicine. And then on January 5th, our guest will be Dr. Jonathan Leaf. He's a nationally recognized expert in the field of geriatric psychiatry. Because of his ability to make complex scientific information easy to understand, he's a very sought after speaker on the topics of neuropsychiatry, neuroscience, psychopharmacology, dementia, depression, and high technology and medicine. His latest book is The Secret Language of Cells, which we'll be talking about. We'll also announce upcoming guests on our program on, and future guests will also be announced each month in our monthly e-letter called Health eSource. So if you'd like to receive this newsletter, you can simply sign up by sending an email to ncal at normandale.edu and ask to be a subscriber. We're so fortunate also that our Learning Well programs are archived, so you can explore past conversations with a number of leaders in the health and wellness field, like Dr. Michael Roizen, Amy Morin, Dr. Kathy Kemper, so we hope you'll check that out. All you need to do is Google Edge Talk Radio Learning Well Archives. And in closing, I want to thank again our guest Cindy Dale, and I'd also like to thank Normandale Community College. And thank you for being with us tonight. We hope you can be with us on Tuesday, December 1st, for our conversation with Bijal Trivedi. Until then, good evening and stay well. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.